Hello, and welcome back to the You Love and You Learn podcast. I'm really excited for today's episode because I'm going to be sharing my relationship anxiety story. And I believe this is going to help set the stage for a lot of who I am, my experiences, and the frame of reference that I bring to this podcast. I wanted to do this episode pretty early on so that I could refer back to it and if people are newer around here, they can start from the beginning, so to speak, to learn more about my journey. I want to share my story for a few reasons. One, to show you as a listener that you are not alone in much of what you experience. I feel like there's a lot in here that a lot of people have resonated with when I do share my story. Secondly, to give you hope that moving through the anxiety you're experiencing is absolutely possible, knowing that it's not going to be a quick fix or an overnight process, but it's going to be something that you absolutely can do. And also just to help you really understand that some of these things that we think are so big and scary really are not when we can actually face them head on. My intention with this podcast and this episode specifically is not to encourage people to stay in their relationship or to leave their relationship, but to simply show you that there are other ways to think besides you should leave if things are not perfect. My decision has been to stay and work through the anxiety in my relationship, but I know many other people who have not felt that that was the best choice for them for various reasons, and I don't believe there's one right or wrong decision here. All right, let's start back with a little bit of context about me and who I am as a person and how this all relates to love and relationships. So I did not really have much experience with love, dating, and relationships when I was younger. I had literally a handful of three or four day relationships in middle school. I don't know if anyone else in their middle school class would just have like long weekend relationships or you would text and ask each other out and then like break up over a text. Oh my gosh, looking back on that feels so funny. But I did feel like a late bloomer with having boyfriends and a lot of my friends were dating much earlier than I was or having more serious relationships than I was. And I'm definitely someone who has always loved love. I love rom-coms. I love the idea of romanticism and just all these things that come with being in a relationship. So on one hand, I would say that I've really wanted that type of rom-com love based on what I was watching and hearing about in relationships. And then on the other hand, I would say that I had a more practical look into what relationships can look like. My parents' relationship, I wouldn't say it was overly loving, and I love both of my parents dearly, and there is no shade at anything that I'm sharing when it comes to their relationship. They are no longer together, and I would say that they would probably admit that their kids definitely took precedent over their relationship, I would say, with each other, and I'm not a parent, so I can't say how I would act in that situation, but I think when I look back and my parents sat us down to say we're getting a divorce, I was sad, but I wasn't surprised. So that kind of tells you what I picked up from their relationship growing up a little bit more. So on one hand, you have this rom-com fantasy. On the other hand, you have kind of the reality that I'm seeing from both my immediate family and other divorces or separations in my extended family. And I think that this led to some inner confusion about what love really is. And honestly, you know, I'm not still 100% positive of what love is. Everyone has their own subjective definition. But 
when I was younger, I think I was definitely in this gray area, not fully knowing what I even wanted out of love and relationships. So fast forward a little bit into college and I have my first love and first serious relationship. I met my ex on a study abroad trip and we were from the same college. We were in a similar friend group while we were studying abroad. We had a lot of fun. And then at the same time, there were also some parts of the relationship that felt a little disappointing to me compared to what my expectations were on love and relationships. Some of those things ended up being ultimately what drove us not to work out. And I would say that some of them were incompatibilities, not just anxieties. For me, ultimately, at the end of the day, whether or not this is true and whether or not it was just my own perspective, I'm sure there was plenty I was responsible for for the relationship not working out. But ultimately for me, the reason why it didn't work is it came down to me feeling like I was putting in more than I was receiving. And I know that's a little bit vague, but as of right now, I think that's all I'm planning to share. I probably will elaborate more on this in the future, but I think that's all that's relevant for this context. So I felt that I was putting in more than I was getting back and I made the decision to end things. A lot of people in the You Love and You Learn community online kind of look back and you know, I share some things about my last relationship ending and people have asked me before, how did you know whether it was time for the relationship to end or not? And for me, like I just shared, it felt like I was putting in more than I was getting out and that no longer felt okay for me. So I learned that it was important for me in a relationship to feel like I was getting what I put into it. And that's a very subjective thing for everybody to feel. But for me, in my own way, I had to feel that. And I also learned from that relationship that if I became more clear that I wasn't able to move forward in a relationship with somebody and it was clear that there was a no, then I would be able to make the decision. These things helped me in my relationship with Nate for a couple reasons because one, I feel like I get what I put back in, um, if not sometimes more. (laughs) In my most anxious moments, I feel like Nate treats me so well. Of course, there's moments where I feel like I also treat him very well, and it doesn't mean that that's bad or wrong. We both have times where I think we go above and beyond for one another. But I've realized that Nate is putting in a very equal amount of effort and investment into the relationship, and that's something that he's always been willing to do. And I've also learned from my last relationship that if there was a clear no, I would know that. And right now in my relationship, first of all, I no longer feel the same do I stay, do I go type of anxiety. I've been able to move through that feel much more secure, feel much more confident, feel optimistic and grateful for the relationship. But even in my most anxious moments, which I'll get to explaining here in a second, there was never a clear no that I could not stay in this relationship. And I trust that if there had been, I would have done something about it. There was always some little small voice, some little small feeling inside that said, I don't want to lose Nate. I don't want to lose this relationship. It's special. He's special. I love and care about him. Even on the days where every single anxious thought was thrown at me saying, you're not loving him. You're not sure. You should just leave this relationship. You should just break up. I never broke up and I never actually did the thing that I was so afraid of wanting to do. And I have to trust in my heart that that means that I wanted to be here. Now, that doesn't mean that I can predict the outcome of Nate and I's relationship, but it's been an important factor for me as I move forward. Okay, so moving out of that relationship, in between dating my ex and meeting Nate, 
There were definitely some ups and downs. I would say there was about a year and a half between that time. I ended up going out a lot. I was kind of eating and drinking a lot. And I remember midway through the relationships, maybe about six months after my ex and about 10 or 11 months before I met Nate, I felt very insecure. I felt very just kind of not myself. I had gained weight from kind of eating and drinking a lot. And I know body image is something that a lot of people struggle with. It's something that I've struggled with many times before. And I didn't feel good about myself. So there was a period in between my relationships where I started a consistent workout program. I started reading self-development books. I started listening to podcasts. I started focusing on my mental and physical health in a major way. And while I definitely could have leaned into doing that a lot more in my last relationship, it wasn't something that I really thought about doing as much until I was in this place where I felt so just low and not happy. And that can happen when you're in a relationship or when you're single. It doesn't need to be you being single or in a relationship to make massive changes. You are capable of doing that at any time. In this between period before I met Nate and after I had been with my ex, I really started trying to better understand myself and learn and grow. And that happened almost six years ago now. So funny enough, personal development, well-being, and growth are things that Nate and I have a lot in common. So I think it's very interesting that right before I had met him, I really started becoming interested in this on my own terms. Cue meeting Nate. So this is the part where Nate enters the chat, Nate enters the story, and for the rest of the time, he will be present in this story, I guess. So we met through a friend of a friend. We were all going to a concert. Nate actually took the last spot on a party bus that we had as a group. So he literally came in by the skin of his teeth into the group that we were going with. And I remember that night saying, wow, this guy is so cute. And I also noticed classic relationship anxiety thought, classic me overthinking something. Oh yeah, he's so cute, but he's also my height. And at the end of the day, I mean, we can talk about this in another episode. At the end of the day, that's something that really, to me, does not outvalue anything about Nate's personality. But in a culture, in a society that's taught to focus on external looks, it's really hard to shake that idea of, oh, I thought I would date someone taller than me, right? We can get into that in another episode, but I want to normalize if you've ever thought about that. I have a lot of people asking me about height anxiety, Um, so I just want to note that you're not alone there in thinking about that and also that it's something that can be worked through and honestly eventually will become something that you probably laugh about. The night Nate and I met, we stayed up all night talking and just really getting to know one another and we hung out and the next morning he was needing a ride home with his friend and don't worry this was a very very pg night if not a g night (laughs) and the next morning i went to drop him and his friend off and i remember there was snow on my windshield and nate got out to help me wipe it off and i just remember thinking like wow that was really nice really sweet And I knew right away, based on kind of getting to know him, that he felt like someone that was different and someone I'd like to continue having in my life. But I didn't know what that would look like. And our relationship, or at least talking and really getting to know another, began pretty quickly after that. 
He lived two hours south of me, so we were technically long distance, but I know for many people, two hours is nothing, so I want to be sensitive of that. Um, But our relationship began pretty quickly right off the bat. We would see each other every two to three weeks. We were talking a lot, really trying to get get to know one another. And I would say that things were going very swimmingly, and we had our first major relationship challenges right around six months in. And these maybe weren't relationship challenges that were so major, but they were kind of tests that I think are relatable for people and may help others who have been through similar things or to realize that not all relationships start off in this perfect way without any of these normal road bumps along the way. So without going into too much detail on either of these things, right around the six-month mark, we were very you know, close and getting pretty serious, but we hadn't labeled ourselves anything yet. And right around this time, Nate's sister was getting married, who now, I mean, love her, would definitely be invited to her wedding now, but six months in, I was not invited to the wedding, even though Nate had mentioned it to me a few times. And at the time, this is another type of relationship anxiety type thought, trying to assign meaning to things, trying to gain certainty and clarity. I thought, If he cares about me like he's saying and putting in this effort, why wouldn't he want me to meet his family and be introduced as his girlfriend? So whether or not you met someone's family right away or whether it took you multiple years to meet them, there's no right or wrong answer here. But the funny part about this was just the meaning I was assigning to it, that if I don't get invited, that means he doesn't care. His mindset at the time was, I think it's too soon to bring her on my family, and it feels like a wedding is not the right place for them to first meet her, which, looking at it back, I think is very understandable. Here's the part that is a little bit funny, though. None of these things were communicated at the time. They were just thought internally. So, as you can imagine, all of these things happening underneath the surface are not helping us learn or get closer until... They come out later on. So this brings me to the second challenge or test that kind of happened that really was the bigger one of the two, and is that Nate and I almost broke up. So six months into our relationship, I was all in at this point. I really wanted things to work out. I was starting to fall in love with Nate, and I think he was definitely on the same page, but just less willing to kind of talk about it. And at the time, there was just a lot of factors up in the air. He had just started running a small business. We were doing long distance. He was worried about balancing relationship with his business. And I was getting antsy this whole time about being more and more committed. I wanted the certainty that we were definitely in a relationship, that we were definitely moving towards that. And to me, it felt like six months was long enough to kind of be in that limbo period, even though we both were putting in a lot of effort. And all of this really came to a head when we were out one night and we had been drinking and we hadn't talked about this stuff yet. And it led to us basically breaking up at the time, even though it wasn't this formal thing. We basically were getting into a disagreement and he said, I don't know if this can work and I don't know if I can be committed to this while I'm growing my business right now and I don't think I can manage the two. And at the time, I remember feeling devastated. There were so many tears, mostly on my side. And I just felt, oh my gosh, this is someone I really wanted things to work with. I was so hurt and upset. And I just remember at the time having no idea what to do and just 
feeling, again, just really hurt and upset about it. But at the time, I was only really six months into things. And so it was easy based on the trajectory of where it was going, me feeling so excited about it to feel this hurt. It wasn't any of my fears coming up yet about, you know, is this the right person, all of that. I was just worried about being in a relationship and committing to this person. I remember at the time thinking that there was no way that this would continue moving forward. I thought it was kind of a final breakup, so to speak. And about 12 hours later, this fight happened kind of early in the morning. About 12 hours later, Nate ended up coming down to Virginia where I live. He was, uh, we were in Baltimore at the time and he came down and kind of just decided, let's talk through this. Let's talk about what happened and maybe we can work something out here because I don't want to lose you and I think that I got a little bit scared. So this was a really big turning point for us because it proved that Nate was, even though at the time he was a little bit scared or overwhelmed by trying to balance a business and a relationship and we were still so new it proved to me that he really wanted this to work and that he was really open to kind of working through challenges and not just running away from them completely right so that was a big factor and I share these things because I feel like all the time at the beginning of a relationship whether it's six months in or even six years in Nate and I still have some of these misunderstandings where We keep things to ourselves. We assume we know what the other person is thinking or wanting, and we don't talk about it with them. And without talking about these things, there was no way for Nate to know what I was expecting. There was no way for me to know what he was worried about. And we could have probably talked through that in a much more calm and rational way if we had just been willing to be vulnerable and share some of those things right off the bat. Now, I know that's really hard to do when you're still trying to get to know somebody, but it's so, so important. Now, here's the part where the anxiety starts coming in. So after me and Nate finally were committed to one another, and maybe we had been together, I would say, in total for at least a year, a year and a half, the pressure started coming in both internally and externally. After I love yous were shared, after we traveled more together, after we met each other's families, There was more pressure for me to want to know that this was the right person for me. And I put that pressure on myself, but there were definitely things that also led to it from external factors like people saying, do you think he's the one or when do you think you're going to move in together? And, you know, do you want to move in? How's that going to work? Who's going to move to each other's cities? And things like that. And I didn't always know those answers. And I thought I should know the answers, which led me to feeling anxious. Why am I not more sure? Why don't we want to move in together yet? Should we want to move in together yet? How are we going to know when the right time to end long distance is? All of these questions bubbled up to the surface. And this also happened to be around a time period where a lot of my friends were getting engaged as well. So if I felt that my friends were confidently getting engaged, they were saying yes, they were knowing how to move forward in their relationship, I started then to compare that to my own fears or doubts. When you know you know, how do they know? How do I not know? Or, you know, my parents recently got divorced, so what if I get divorced? You know, how can I make sure I pick a perfect partner that doesn't end up getting divorced? All these little subtle fears. And this led me to wanting to really look at Nate, putting kind of this magnifying glass on him and all of his actions to analyze 
him and our dynamic as a couple and looking for almost like intentionally trying to spot red flags that maybe weren't even there. It was like I was hypersensitive to any potential red flag. And this led me ultimately to being so stuck up in my head. All of this hyperfixation kind of allowed me to take off the pressure or responsibility of myself and really focus externally onto Nate. And even though it's tempting to want to put the pressure or just blame our partner for why we are feeling anxious, and all of this, by the way, assumes that you're in a safe, healthy relationship without abuse present, it's easy to want to put that responsibility on them. They're making us anxious. It's their fault. But that can be a reason for us to then avoid looking deeper within ourselves as to why we're so scared in the first place. I wish I could tell you that this anxiety or these thoughts and just these feelings of like the tight chest and the pits in my stomach and just all these things would go away quickly, but it was ultimately a couple more years of this before everything really became peak relationship anxiety and something had to be done about it. This kind of fast forwards us to the beginning of the pandemic. I moved in with Nate in March 2020 Well, me and him were living at his mom's technically. He had just gotten a pretty intense back surgery and so he was resting and recovering there and I came down just what I thought would be a nice week-long trip to visit him and work from home and that ended up turning into the lockdown, the pandemic, and of course there was a lot of fear and anxiety that came with that. Not only that, just the general fear of the pandemic, but I was put on furlough from my job, which meant that I wasn't working. Nate had just gotten surgery, so there was a lot of things that he needed and just he couldn't do or things that needed to happen, and that was kind of unusual and unique for us. It was our first time living together, not for a week, but for months at a time, also with his mom, and so it was just a different dynamic than us being on our own. And all of this while me still having the undercurrent of relationship anxiety. So as you can imagine, a lot of these things kind of built up and affected one another. One thing I believe to my core is that our outside and external circumstances have a big effect on how we're feeling about our relationship. Now we can get to a place and practice where these things do not have as much of an impact on us. But if we're tending to be someone who's very anxious in our relationship and we're also feeling anxious externally, it's just going to keep building and building. So the relationship anxiety I was experiencing at that time just hit me in full force and the intrusive thoughts felt even stronger than before. Instead of just worrying, how do I know he's the one, I was thinking, I don't even know if I love him the same way anymore. Or instead of, what if we get divorced, I was thinking, how can I continue living like this? I can't bear this any longer. Instead of thinking, even though I'm anxious, I still choose to move forward, I was not seeing a way forward at the time. And it was really, really scary. It was really hard. And I know a lot of people are in that same position right now, and so I hope that this can normalize what you're experiencing. All of this peak anxiety leads to a moment that I've talked about before on social media, but many might not know, where I went on a walk with Nate and I literally broke down. I said, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't know if I love you the same way anymore. And I don't know what's wrong with me. I hate myself for feeling this way, but this is the way I felt. Now, before all of this, I had told him before that, 
you know, I'm scared of marriage. My parents get got a divorce, so I'm not sure if I want to get married. Or sometimes I feel anxious about our relationship, but I can't quite pinpoint it. But I never fully laid it out like that. So this time I was almost brutally honest to a fault. And it was really hard for me. And I can only imagine that it was hard for Nate to hear as well. But even though it must have been hard for him to hear, he responded in such a kind, empathetic way. He responded by telling me it's okay that sometimes you compare our relationship, that you worry if something better is out there, that you're not 100% sure what's going on. And he knew that it's something that I tend to do just to try and, you know, be perfect and have everything be perfect all the time and that I'm the type of person that likes certainty and guarantees and he reassured me that I wasn't crazy for feeling the way that I felt. He also said that he would support me in whatever I decided to do but that of course he really hoped that I would stay in our relationship and move forward and that he would support me either way. Oh my gosh even just talking about it sometimes it makes me feel some type of way because in that moment I just remember how hurt I was feeling not only just because of the anxiety but then also I felt so guilty and I just felt like such a terrible partner for saying these things to him and relying on him to make me feel better when at the end of the day I just told him something about our relationship and that I wasn't 100% sure about him or at least at the time I thought it was related to him even though I now know looking back that it was really my own internal fears. Basically, in this moment, through the tears, through the pain, through the hurting, I had this aha moment and an epiphany that has probably (laughs) at the time been long overdue, but I just saw so clearly how lucky I am and how lucky I was at that moment to have someone who was willing to help me who was willing to be that supportive and loving, especially when I was in that dark place. And that if he believed in me and if he was able to support me and have compassion for me, then I could do the same thing. And I realized in that moment, like, I have to understand, excuse my language, like, what the fuck is going on in my mind? And I really quickly after that began the process of trying to better understand. So this is where You Love and You Learn is essentially formed. I realized that I had this belief that I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to relationships, that I'm bound to get a divorce, that my anxiety is just something that can't go away. And I just had all of these beliefs of what was going to stop me from having a loving, healthy relationship. But ultimately... I knew at the same time that even though I didn't really understand relationships, there were clearly other people who did. I had always been interested in podcasts about relationships. Like I loved, I remember years ago hearing an episode with the Gottmans who I love their work. And anyone who was ever a relationship or dating expert, I felt really drawn into what they were talking about, probably because I've always had this desire to want to have a loving, healthy relationship, even though I didn't think it was possible for me to. And so I really took that time when I didn't have work during the pandemic to kind of go all in on learning about relationships. 
I bought the You Love and You Learn domain. Nate actually helped me come up with that name. Um, My original name was Lessons in Love and Nate, you know, was the one that came up with You Love and You Learn and I loved it. And I really just dove into all things relationships. I read a lot of work of the Gottman Institute, John Gottman and his wife, Julie Gottman. I read the book, The Wisdom of Anxiety by Cheryl Paul, which was a total light bulb moment for me. I dove into Esther Perel's work. I've always been a huge fan, but I dove deeper into Brene Brown's work and started focusing more on how it could be applied to relationships. I started learning about self-compassion. I started learning about intimacy. I just was fully diving into the world of relationships. And I had so many light bulb moments. There were so many moments where I realized that my way of looking at things was not the only way and that my way of looking at things was actually really tainted by this rom-com narrative that we hear. A few of the key takeaways at that time that helped me keep going and really made me more confident in choosing Nate, choosing my relationship, and trusting that I would be able to work through this anxiety was realizing that great relationships don't just magically fall into our laps. We have to show up and cultivate them. We have to be an active participant in growing our relationships and growing more deeply with our partner and internally as a person so we can show up as our best selves. I finally realized that there were people who had doubts in their relationship before but didn't assign that much meaning to them. They didn't make them into this huge deal and that it was okay to have doubts in a loving, healthy relationship and move forward. You don't have to leave the relationship. Of course, you can. There's no right or wrong here. But there were so many stories of couples who almost jokingly said, yeah, of course I've doubted my partner, but that doesn't mean that they're not the right fit for me. So that was majorly groundbreaking for me. And also in the book, The Wisdom of Anxiety, Cheryl Paul talks about relationship anxiety specifically in a couple of chapters, which was so helpful for me to see. And last but not least, there were many other lessons I learned, but this was a key one that just helped me move forward from a more confident place at the time was that I really had these rosy colored glasses on and expectations of what a great relationship should look like. I thought it was just feeling happy 24-7, always being fully in love, going on these grand lavish vacations with your partner, no boring moments, all of these things like constantly laughing, constantly turned on, everything. And I was expecting perfection. And when I realized that I was expecting perfection and that nobody could possibly live up to those standards, it was such a huge relief for me and I could finally start to unwind those expectations. There you have it. That was kind of my big peak relationship anxiety moment and what ultimately led me to start quote quote doing the work to reduce my relationship anxiety. I knew that I did not want to leave this relationship. As I shared before with my ex, I had this clear I don't want to be in this relationship anymore feeling and with Nate that never came and never has come. Even on my most anxious days, the love that I've had for Nate outweighed the anxiety that I had. And you can take that however you would like. I know a lot of people listening might hear that and say, well, how do I know? I don't know if I have that loving feeling. For me, it was just being able to trust that if I didn't want to be in that relationship anymore, I wouldn't be in the relationship anymore. And I know that sounds overly simplified, but I've just had to trust that and trust that I don't know 
what the future of our relationship will look like, but trusting that if I'm ever crystal clear that it's not for me, that I will do something about it. So that's a big thing that I've learned along this journey. And ever since that peak relationship anxiety breakdown, so to speak, that happened in June 2020. And now here I am recording this, it's September of 2022. So it's been over two years where I have really, really, really been deep diving into the world of love and relationships. I know I still have so much to learn. By no means am I the expert of relationship anxiety or relationships. I'm someone who's loving and learning with you along the journey. And I know that my experiences are useful for people to hear about and useful for people to just feel like they're not alone. And that's why I'm so excited to continue sharing it and why my mission has been, as I learn more about love and relationships, to share that and to help others. I want to make it very clear that I'm not 100% anxiety-free right now, and nor do I ever expect to be. I think that anxiety is a common thread among my life, not just in relationships, but in work and about what other people think of me. Like there's plenty of ways that my anxiety manifests and I'm actively working on that as part of my own growth. But I've been able to learn so much from the experience of relationship anxiety, realizing that the anxiety was really trying to latch on to something I love and care about, but there were other things below the surface that were really causing me to be afraid and to put that fear on top of something like my relationship. So with that said, I've learned in these last two, almost two and a half years that my fears are my own to carry, not Nate's or not related to our relationship specifically. And he can support me with those fears, but he is not responsible for taking them away from me. I've learned that challenging moments or phases in a relationship are very normal and okay, and they can help you become stronger. They're not something that should be avoided at all costs. I've also learned, and this is a big one, that it's okay not to be okay every moment and honoring your feelings instead of pushing them away truly helps you move through the feelings so much faster. This is something that still comes up all the time. I see it all the time in people asking questions on my Instagram or with my private coaching clients or even in my own life. The feelings of, oh, I don't want to feel anxious right now or, oh, why am I feeling or thinking this way? And The best thing you can do for yourself, and it's something I'm still actively working on, is just accepting whatever thoughts and feelings you have in the moment, not judging them or shaming yourself for them. Because when we judge or shame ourselves, it just becomes that much harder to work through some of these things. I want to end by sharing that I don't believe there is a correct formula for healing from relationship anxiety. There's not a one-size-fits-all formula. There's not one tactic or practice or insight that's going to help every single person in the same way. And that's the really cool part about this, right? Is that some of what I say might resonate with you. Some of what I say may not. Some of what I say may be useful for you. Some of what I say may not feel useful. And you get to choose as you're continuing to open your mind and expand your definition on what love and relationships look like, you get to choose what that is. And for me, it's been one of the coolest parts of the last two and a half years is helping create this new definition of love each and every day, and that can change and evolve over time. It's not set in stone. 
Over the course of this podcast, I'm going to dive deeper, of course, into some concepts and ideas that have helped me heal from relationship anxiety bit by bit. And I'm not going to ever approach them in the sense of this is the only and right way. I'm going to present information in the hope that it can help inspire you or open your mind. But I'm not ever going to try and prescribe you with a specific set of beliefs. If anything, I'm just going to share how I'm feeling in the hopes that it will inspire you and resonate. Please know that if you are experiencing anxiety in your relationship, you are not alone. You are not alone. You are not alone. And even if my story does not exactly match up with yours, trust that you are still not alone in pretty much everything you are thinking or experiencing. I've seen thousands of questions come in and people always assume that they're the only one thinking the way they are and I can tell you that they are not. And it was so reassuring for me to just hear other people share and open up and that's why I really wanted to do this episode. So thank you so much for listening. I can't wait in future episodes to dive deeper into relationship anxiety and how to work through it. But for now, I'm just going to end my story in the hopes that it can just serve as a little bit of inspiration for you, a reminder that you're not alone, a reminder that you can actually work through this anxiety, and just as a reminder as well that this takes time, doesn't happen in two nights. It happened over the course of two and a half years, and it's still something that I'm working on. Alrighty, thank you so much for listening again. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review the podcast that would mean the world to me since i'm just starting out or perhaps even just sending it to someone that you know who may resonate with this episode and they can learn something from it thank you again for being here